People don't follow titles, they follow courage. And if you will just lead them, you will be amazed at how many people are amazed at your organization. Helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is Andre Leadership. Now, here's your host, Ken Coleman. Coming to you from the Music City, this is the broadcast of Leaders by Leaders for Leaders. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Uh, Not a special episode, but kind of a special episode, meaning bringing it to you and our normal schedule. But one of the things we love to do is pull out some of the brightest moments from our own Entree Leadership events. We just recently wrapped our week-long event called Entree Leadership Master Series. This is a high-end experience, 300 leaders in a room, deep dive, think college classroom setting, and it is our, uh, I think, it is the spring training, training camp idea for leaders. You don't start the season without going through Master Series. So here's what's coming up. Get some great stuff. Going to give you short excerpts, but they're absolutely chock full of goodness. You're going to hear from Dave Ramsey, teaching on entree leadership. What does it really look like? sound like, feel like. You'll hear from Chris Hogan, who teaches on the art of coaching your team. Then we're going to take you inside our goal-setting panel with three company leaders. And then myself, Dave Ramsey, and Daniel Tardy did a panel on growing leaders from within your organization. So that's stage content. And then we wanted you to hear from one of our very own Entree Master Series alumni members, Bill Black. This guy's killing it. We love bringing you stories of people like you. Uh, What has he done? It wasn't about what did we tell you. It's what did you do as a result of coming to Entree Master Series. And, of course, we're going to give you some great content from Entree Leadership and Infusionsoft. So here we go. Up first is Dave Ramsey teaching on what is Entree Leadership, a word he created that became a best-selling book and a business division that helps leaders all around the country. Here is Dave Ramsey on Entree Leadership Defined. Moses was trying to judge 1.2 million people, solve all the disputes of 1.2 million people by himself. Uh, There was a long line, to say the least. His father-in-law Jethro came to him and said, son, the people are impatient and you're going to kill yourself because you're working 24-7. You're going to have to delegate this. You're going to have to break this down a little bit. And there's this whole thing in Deuteronomy that breaks down how the children of Israel from that point forward were governed, and it ends up being about a one to five ratio. Now, you might get to seven or eight if they're all doing exactly the same thing if you're a sales manager, and you got seven salespeople that sell exactly the same thing on the same process and everything. You could probably get it up that high. But I mean, when you're a small business, everybody's got four jobs, right? You're the CEO, the chief everything officer when there's 10 of you. You got to do everything. You do everything and you know how everything works. And and if you don't, you're probably screwed, right? I mean, you got to be on top of it. You got to be watching every little thing. So that's where we got to. We got to that point. And I said, I got to have some help. I got to have some other leaders in this place. And three of my guys were were doing really good work. And so I kind of tapped them on the shoulder, put my arm around them, started mentoring them. And I taught them how I wanted things done be able to finish my sentences. So when I turn my back, work keeps going the way I would like for it to go. And that's not blasphemous. It's I own that business. You need to know what I would want done so you can do it when I'm not there. Hello. That's a process. And so we plugged into that and I put the arm around those three guys and the business exploded, of course. It was growing hand over fist. So we're just working and working and working. We look up, man, we snapped our fingers. There was 40 people. Now there's four of us. Me and the three guys I mentored leading 40 people. We're back to a one to 10 ratio. We're screwed again. We figured out in order to grow this business, I didn't have time to physically, personally, logistically mentor every single person that was going to be a leader inside the organization. We needed to grow faster than that. And it's hard to hire outside people who get it. If they're smart, it still takes them a while to get it. You know, I'm trying to bring in outside people, but I also thought I got to grow leaders inside this organization for this organization to grow. We're going to have to have more leaders and more layers of leaders because this one to five ratio is, is real. You need to actually be someone who is a leader. I can tell you can lead when I'm sitting with other people in the lunchroom with you if people actually listen to you. 
But if they roll their eyes while you're talking in the lunchroom, what do you think they're going to do in a sales meeting? You're not a leader. And that's not, he has born leadership skills. No, somewhere along the line, his dad whooped him until he got to where he had to tell the truth. It's time somebody had a parent, somebody had a professor, somebody had a preacher, someone had a spiritual experience that caused them to decide to have character. But it's a decision. You can decide. And you get to decide again every day. So you need to have that. So what we did is we put the two words together again. We came up with entree leader, the process of leading to cause a venture to grow and prosper. And when you put these two together, you get this beautiful person in your life. And you might be that person. Hopefully by the end of the week, you'll be that person even more as we talk about it. This is a person who is passionately serving. It's a person who's a maverick that has integrity. This is a person who's courageous while humble. I'll tell you where I meet these people, top brass in military, some of the smartest, bravest, and yet humble men and women I meet is when I'm on one of these bases and I come in and the whole room jumps up and the guy walks in and fatigues, but it's, you know, I looked up and there's a couple stars up there. Hey, Dave, how you doing, man? I'm so glad you're here. Hey, John, how's your daughter? Hey, hey, Sally, I heard your mama's sick. And, you know, he's walking, he's working the room, loving his people. Because he may have to send them on to, into harm's way at some point. Or they may lead people into people into harm's way. Courageous while humble, that's where I find a lot of them. I find them in business too. But that's where I find a real collection of them, this top brass military. I'm a huge fan. I never served, but I'm just a huge fan when I get to hang around those people. I know military's got its issues, and if you've been in the military, you know them. But there's some great human beings in there, some great human beings. People don't follow titles. They follow courage. And if you will just lead them, if you will just lead them, you'll be amazed at who you end up with on your team. You'll be amazed at the quality and the productivity of the organization. You'll be amazed at who will leave. You will be amazed at how many people are amazed at your organization. Going to keep rolling here with Chris Hogan, the number one best-selling author of Retire Inspired, one of our speakers uh, during Entree Leadership Master Series Week. Chris is going to walk you through the difference between being a leader and certainly not a boss. This is great content from Chris Hogan. Essential qualities of a great coach. Looking at this, I think, number one, being clear and direct. There's nothing worse than assuming something has been communicated, right? And I figured out, I've been uh, plugged in and doing this stuff long enough time that you have people that naturally will beat around the bush. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think people are either tentative of being direct or they're too overly conscious of coming off the wrong way. But I'm gonna tell you something, as a leader, to be unclear is unkind, okay? I'm gonna just let you hear that straight out to be unclear is unkind because whether we communicate it or not, the things that we thought, the things that we want people to do and how they do it, the way we think of people comes out in the way that we treat them. Okay, I mean, it's just, it will come out one way or the other. And so what I wanna do is encourage you, let's just be clear on our expectations. And we're gonna talk about those on Thursday, how to manage expectations and how to set them. But I want us to be direct in our communication. Now, you can be direct without being rude, okay? There's a fine line there, and we're going to talk about personality styles a little bit later, but just have people understand what it is you expect, what it is you want done, but more importantly, their role. A great coach will help someone understand what their role is and why it matters to the team. Your team needs to understand what you are trying to accomplish. Don't let this be an assumption, don't let this be that, hey, I hope some people get it and some people connect. No, no, we want it to be crystal clear. Like, and I'm gonna tell you something, in your communication, if you're clear and direct, this is how you know that your message is getting through. The people that have been with you a while are doing this. Here she goes again. Or they mouth it with you as you say it. 
right? That's not a bad thing. That means you've been repetitive and consistent enough that they know what you're gonna say. And so do this. Make sure they understand what you're trying to accomplish. And more importantly, if you'll do this and add this to this, help them to understand how they fit in and how they can benefit as well. I mean, that's the real deal. When people know, hey, this is what we're trying to do, they wanna know what's in it for me. So help them to understand what they can gain as well. Like go sit down and talk with somebody. If you think there's a misunderstanding, let's sit down and be direct. I promise you, you'll blow people's minds. If you go, hey, come here for a second. And, uh, yeah, uh, no, you don't really have to get up, honey. I'm just an example. Like she was like, what? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> but let's say we were in staff meeting and I was talking and Ann, Ann roll your eyes. Oh, you kind of good at that. Nice. <laughs> And I'm up in staff meeting talking to everybody, everybody else is smiling, but I noticed Ann roll her eyes, right? Now, what should I do? Well, I can A, in my mind, think, Ann's just got attitude. She doesn't believe in what I was saying. She's not a part of the mission. See, that's how it morphs in our minds. But if I go and I say, hey, Ann, come here for a sec. I noticed during the meeting, I was making a statement, you were kind of rolling your eyes. She was like, what? No. She goes, I had my contact was jacked up. <laughs> You know where I'm going with that. As leaders, we can take small actions and we start to make assumptions. But if we can just have that communication, what'll happen is she can clarify and I go, oh, okay. And now we start to continue to move forward. Every day you build closer or you build walls. Build something intentionally, don't let it be an accident. Understand your team well enough to be able to spot when something is wrong. Ooh, this is that making eye contact. Have you ever had somebody tell you everything's all right, but you look in their eyes and you know better? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean about being in enough proximity to know if Kathy says, oh, I'm fine, and I look at her and I go, mm-mm, them eyes are normally twinkling. They're not twinkling today. I'm gonna make a mental note as a leader to circle back and check on her again. And it's literally like knocking at the door. See, sometimes you have to care enough to keep knocking. Don't take fine as just an answer when you know it's not. And I've knocked at the door long enough and hard enough and found out there's some people walking through some marriage issues. There's some people walking through some health issues. There's some people walking through some things that did I need to know it as a leader? Probably not. But they didn't tell their leader. They told their friend. And it's a different level of understanding. So now I can understand what's happening. I can be there to support and I can be there to try to guide. See, this thing is bigger than just the job that people are working. This is about people's lives. The ripple effect of somebody caring enough to be plugged in and be clued in enough. People have no idea the impact it can make on people. You have no idea the impact you can have on people. It's about making a decision. Caring heart. I don't know about you, but I've I've read in a book years ago, it said, real men don't cry, right? I read that somewhere, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I didn't agree with it. I was like, well, whatever. And this is when I knew that I needed to stop that lie. My son was learning to ride his bike. We took off the training wheels. He's riding, and I let him go, and he falls and skins his knee. And he's over like this. I go, you all right? Of course he's not all right. Boy's got blood on his knee, went down. I know he's not all right, but we ask stupid questions like that. And I go, he's like, ah. Uh, he keeps grunting. I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying not to cry. And I said something to him that I'll never forget. I said, if you're hurt, cry. That's what's wrong with our society today. We got people walking around with repressed emotions because nobody knows what they should show or not show. How about this? Be human. I'll never forget, uh, LaTanya worked for me, and uh, come to find out, this is early in my leadership career. This is how I knew I was a village idiot, for real, because she was out of vacation days, but she had found out her mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer, right? I must hit the issue about being at work, doing your job, doing your job, to the point that this girl finds this out about her mom and hasn't gone back to D.C. to see her. She was waiting for the weekend. I get word of it on a Thursday, and I'm like, what do you mean? Why is she waiting for the weekend? And my team said, the assistant manager, Chris, she's out of vacation days. And? I was like, what are you talking about? Well, she, she's out of vacation days. She won't leave until she can hit the weekend. And I went, her mom just found out. I was like, LaTanya. 
I said, what do you, what, hey, what's going on with your mom? She told me. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I said, but when are you leaving? She goes, well, I'm waiting until Saturday because I'm out of vacation days. And I literally went, oh, honey, you don't need vacation days to go check on your mama. I was like, bye. She's like, I got to fill out the form. I said, bye. I said, come in here and give me a hug. She goes, you know the rule, because I made them watch them sexual harassment videos. <laughs> I literally, I kept a ruler on my desk, 12 inches. Don't you get that close to me? It was a running joke. We never had no issues, I'm going to tell you right now. And she came in, and I gave her a hug. I said, you go see your mama, girl. I said, you call me and let me know when you can come back and when it makes sense. Don't you worry about no vacation days. See, that's that thing where I think if we would just remember to shift and be human, it helps us make some decisions that are easy to make. Listen to me. If you remain authentically yourself, it's easy to stay in character. Some of us are trying to play or perpetuate a role that's not really us. So now you're trying to remember who do I need to be? No, just be you. Be firm, be clear, be direct, and care. You can do all of the above, I promise. It's not hard. It's just being aware of it and making some decisions. Look at this. Too much truth will shut the team down and too much grace and they'll never learn to improve. And I mean that by, again, thinking about it. I mean, imagine a coach. He's got a player out there that's just messing up. Well, you can't jump on them too much because why? They'll go in the tank is what they call it. You've had people do that in business where they made a mistake and if you call them on it based on how they're wired, they'll either shut down or some of them will rise to the occasion to show you what they can do but you've got to know it enough to be able to deal with it. On the flip side of it, as a leader, if we give too much grace and we've got somebody that's underperforming or not giving the effort and we don't ever tell them, you know what you just communicated, that it's okay. Silence is approval. And so looking at this, you go, well, Chris, hold on. If I go tell people when they're not doing well, then it feels like I'm, tell I'm, I'm getting on them. No, it's the spirit in which you deliver that. Don't do it as a boss, do it as a coach. Meaning, hey, what's going on? How are you? This is the expectation. What can I do to help you? Again, it's just that check-in to let them know what's happening now is not okay. We've got to fix this. And then the next level of it as a leader is to figure out what are the things to help them improve it. If it's their time, are they doing things that don't help them or aren't necessary, whatever it is, but I'm just, I'm being engaged in the situation so I can help them empower the results. It's you. This leadership thing is constant, okay? It's not a coast. And some of us approach it as a coast where we think, well, if I've got the title and I tell them once, I should be done. No, 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 no. Repeating is necessary. Repeating is where the leading comes in. That's where the coaching happens. Just when you thought you couldn't get any more great content, here we go. Uh, I had the opportunity to do a great panel with three of our rock star leaders here at Entree Leadership, Sarah Sloyan, Herb Jenkins, and Jason Blake. we hear more about them in this conversation that we had with our audience. Knows how to kind of identify a goal that we can all get excited about and we all agree on. But how do you take it from that corporate, missional maybe mindset and make it an individual where, where the individual team member who has a role, who has a part in the goal, really owning it. Yeah, that's great. And there's really two important parts there. There's getting them to have a goal that they make their own, but then it's also connecting it to the bigger goal that you may have for the organization. Both are really, really important. So here's what I'd say. I've done a lot of goal setting and uh, with varying degrees of success pretty good amount of managing to those goals, but I've definitely been in situations where I've made a goal and then honestly didn't really manage to it that much and just kind of went on the shelf. And I've really reflected on that a lot to say, like, why is that happening? What am I doing wrong here? And one thing that's really helped me a lot, both for myself and as I work with another team member, let's say you got somebody on your team who's a vital part of making the goal that you have for your company a success, then you've got to set with them, here's the overall goal. But I've found with them that if you take the approach of let's not just go through the mechanics of a specific and measurable and timely goal for you, but really let's take a step back and let's look forward to, let's say, end of this year, right? Really try to make it one of those things that they can picture in their mind of something that could actually happen. Like imagine if we accomplished this goal or what would a goal be that at the end of this year you would look back on and say, we really did something special this year. Get people to kind of dream with you, even on, on the goal itself. 
And when they go about defining the statement, if you keep putting it in terms of, okay, now imagine, walk me through, if we're there at the end of this year, what's true about the company? What's true about your role, your situation? And it kind of sparks this other side of the brain that kind of brings the goal to life. When people do that, when they really start honing in on what it's like to, to live in a world where this goal is accomplished, then along the way, as you're managing in the trenches, they have more motivation to actually see it through because they want that feeling. They want that idea of this could be a reality and it could be so much better for us as a company and for me personally that it really helps bring it to life. So go through the specific and measurable and timely and all those sort of things, but really add that extra component as you're walking somebody through creating their goal and it makes it much more likely for them to actually see it through. All right, Sarah, I want you to talk about the unique environment that you create within Entree Leadership because we have all these different business divisions within Ramsey Solutions. And I love the Entree area. I'm blessed to be able to host the podcast. So I get over there multiple times a week and I love the whole vibe. I've been able to see the stand-ups that you do on Thursdays. You're very clear in goal setting, but I'm just curious if you would share the style and the rhythm, if you will, on how you communicate clear goals with the team. We love to set huge goals. Like if you're not waking up with night sweats, then we're probably not setting big enough goals. And we love to make it really visual. So if you come over to the Entree space while you're here, you'll see this massive mountain. And we have identified at the top of that mountain our goal. And then we have all of our little tick marks and our little yodeler man who is climbing uh, to the top of this mountain. And it's really fun. We get really practical with it. So we've got a scorecard also to the left, and it says, okay, we're this percentage to our goal, and then we're this percentage in terms of time to our goal. So if those don't match up, like if we're 40% of the way through our time, but we're only 20% of the way to our goal, we're like, oh, okay, we're going to have some chit-chats. Luckily, we've been ahead, so we've all been lots of bell ringing and celebrating. But yeah, we love to make it really visual. We also love to know you know, we're doing it over the course of a year. So if we don't do that kind of break it down into small manageable chunks, we won't actually know if we're on track or not. We'll just kind of get partway through the year and think like, oh yeah, this seems like a lot of money. Um, But we won't know, okay, are we actually on track to hitting 25 million or not? Is that helpful? So one of the things I love about that, and they do it really, really well, one of the best throughout our company, when it's in your face, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost (laughs) like it's everywhere, you know, in their space. When it's in your face that much, it's impossible to ignore. And that's the kind of environment that you want to create within your team is we can't just kind of act like that goal never really was set to begin with. If you're seeing it every single day, it's always front of mind and it's always something you're talking about your team and you. And and that's what I love about that's what I've seen firsthand what it does for them. Yeah, I'm going to add something here real quick, Jason. The indirect result, okay, of this kind of visual in your face using Herb's phrase The indirect result for you, the leader, is people who don't like all this goal-centric focus are going to (laughs) leave. I'm serious. Like, everybody's keeping score. And I think I said this last time. i got to say it again. I said this at the last Master Series. If you're not keeping score, leaders, you're the only one. That's what they did last time, too. Mm, That's true. Your team is keeping score. In their own way. The ones that are driven are keeping score, so you better keep score. And the people that don't like all that score keep, oh, these goals are in my face. Well, they're going to leave. It's going to save you a lot of heartache. I just had an interview, and I said, how do you feel about confetti cannons? Like, is that, are, is that scary to you? Or do you like, because if you hate that, you're going to hate our team. Um, and I think that's fine. I think it's great to own who you are and live it big. I was going to add, too, one thing that's impressive about what they have over there is that they have one goal that everybody's rowing towards. They don't have 15 different goals that they're running at and ringing bells for 15 different types of things. It's all one goal, and everybody's focused on one thing. And that amount of clarity creates a lot of rowing together on that team. If somebody's working on something, they know it's attributing to that one goal at the end of the day. And so that amount of clarity is really on the leadership team to develop and bring out to their team on what are we working towards. And they've done that exceptionally well over there. And you uh, do some really cool stuff. We were talking uh, just in the back. I love how you consistently are communicating goals within your team. Talk about what's working for you. A couple years back on our team, we started having team members develop a presentation for the senior leaders. And so these are folks who don't get a lot of face time with, with our executive vice president or our senior vice president in our division. And so for two days a year, we have about 
50 or 60 sales folks who come in and admin folks uh, who come in and present uh, for 10 minutes their goals to the senior leadership team. And so they, have a, they can do whatever they want, a visual presentation, um, some sort of vision board if they want. Most people elect to do a PowerPoint. And so we sit in there for two days and we watch people come through. They present uh, for the first couple minutes on what did they accomplish from last year. So you set goals last year, how did you do with them? And so it's very tangible, tactical. Uh, I either hit my goals or I didn't hit my goals. Here's how much I missed them by. And then here's what we're going to do this year. And so the goals need, can be personal. And so we're not saying just come in and do business things, but potentially you have a goal to lose some weight. And so we had several people who came in and said, one of my goals is to lose 10 pounds and here's how I'm going to do that. And then their leader is also sitting in there with them and they have that accountability of like, I just told my senior vice president that I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I better come back and do that. Or I'm going to hit these sales goals. I better come back and do that. And so each year we have this history of doing this now. And honestly, my senior vice president said it's his favorite two days of the year to get that much clarity on what his team's working on and what's important to them. And just having that amount of accountability there with the leadership team has been very helpful for us. Another fun conversation was Dave Ramsey, Daniel Tardy, and myself talking to our audience about how do you develop leaders from within your organization. Great leadership is about multiplication, and when you can raise leaders up from within your culture, well, you're ahead of the game. Here is a bit of our conversation. On my left is Daniel Tardy, and Daniel, tell these folks uh, here and watching on Facebook Live what you're doing these days. Well, hey guys, I hope you guys are having a great day so far. And uh, like Ken said, my name is Daniel. I've been with the company about 14 years. These days, I spend about half my time working with Dave and our board working on global company kinds of things. And then the other half of my time working with the leaders in our business and leadership, uh, we call it a spoke. And that encompasses the Entree Leadership brand as well as our business boutique brand. All right. And this guy uh, to the left of Daniel is a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. He does a little bit of radio. You can clap for Dave. There you go. Yeah. So this is fun. Dave popped over here, and, and we have, Dave, an intentional leadership development, not strategy, but culture. We're constantly uh, looking for leaders, and then when we identify somebody that we feel like has got it, then it's an intentional process of moving them through that. I thought it'd be fun for those watching uh, on Facebook and then our, our leaders here in the room. Uh, Describe the current process by which that happens. And then if you get identified, what does it look like as you begin to walk through the training process and the testing? We don't um, have some kind of magic wand where we go, oh, there's a leader over there. Like one of those forks, tuning fork things where you find water or something, you know. No, it's more like they show themselves. They stick their head up. Uh, They're doing something. They're getting things done. Um, They're relational. Um, you know, Pat Lencioni's book, Hungry, Humble, Smart, the ideal team player, they're hungry, they're humble, meaning they're not humiliated, they're humble, meaning they're other-centered, and they're smart, they're people smart, relational smart, and they get stuff done. And, um, you know, Daniel from day one, he was a sales guy when he came on, you're 23 years old maybe, something like that. And, um, but from day one, I mean, this guy, he would just run out and knock stuff down. You know, and you went, that guy's got potential. He's going to knock something down. We might as well aim him at something, you know. So, um, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. And you're looking for pe- people, men and women of action, men and women of valor who do things. Those are the people that are easy to guide because they're already in motion. Getting somebody into motion, I don't have, I ain't got time to do it. I got too much of it. If you're not already in motion, I can't help you. I can light a fire under you. You know, it's like, I'm burnt out. Not a chance, dude. You were never on fire. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so Dave's talking about, you know, they, they raise their hand. They, they stick their head up and that's absolutely true. The thing I would challenge you guys is once you identify that person, go crazy intentional on nurturing and mentoring and leading and investing in them. So there's, there's really three ways that we do that. There's content, there's conversations and there's constructs. The content is what are you teaching them? What do they need to be trained on? What are you doing in your calendar to set aside time to sit down and have intentional conversations? Content is in the Entree Leadership book. Early on, the content from Dave to us was, I'm gonna teach you guys Entree Leadership. So there's content there. Conversations are, we have weekly one-on-ones with our leaders. We have two-on-ones, we have cross-line 
board member to lead another leader in another area of conversations. So there's a lot of conversations that we prioritize going to lunch. You know, we, we expense it. Go to lunch. Go get a drink. Go sit down and have a conversation with somebody who's going to give you some advice, help you process what you're going through, ask you some questions that may be uncomfortable. The third one's constructs, which is what are the, the intentional things that you're looking at, whether it's an assessment, uh, whether it's like some kind of a scorecard, looking at metrics and KPIs. If, if you're not measuring the quality of a leader's development, you're likely to lose sight of the things that are important. So when we notice somebody has leadership potential, as Dave's saying, hungry, humble, smart, they don't just continue to develop themselves. They, they can if they're a leader. They're going to do it some. But as they're leaders, it's our job to invest in them heavily. So we spend a lot of time and money investing in our leadership team. We have about 130 people in what we call Ramsey Solution Leadership. Um, we set aside time every month. and We all come and sit in this room, and we unpack leadership principles. And we teach, and we train, and we dialogue about things going on in the company. We talk about uncomfortable issues. We make that a priority. So it, it's not something that just organically occurs just because the organic, they show up organically, I think, but then we intentionally invest in developing those leaders. Statistically, I shouldn't be successful. I shouldn't be where I am. I'm second generation off a cotton farm. I'm a college dropout. I rolled into here coming off a job delivering sandwiches down here at the Jason's Deli. And to this day, when somebody caters in Jason's Deli, like I run over and give that guy 50 bucks because I'm like, dude, you can make it out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's a way. So early on, you know, I was just dumb enough to believe that that intentionality thing, you know, Dave was always talking about buy this book and read this book. It'll change your life. Leaders are readers. And I cannot underscore the significance of growing yourself as a young leader. And so I would go buy the book. But what I've learned is only half the people would buy the book. Only half of those people actually read the book. Only half those people studied the book and what was in it. Half of those people applied it intentionally and started getting results. And only half those people, which if you're doing the math is 3.125% linked up that this is so important. I'm going to do it every day of my life. And 15 years later, they're a success. And so I was just dumb enough to think like, well, if I buy the books and read them, I can make it. And early on, I I was maniacal about reading and learning. And and still to this day, like I just, I still set goals. This isn't like, here's what your team needs to do. Goal setting is for, you know, rank and file people. Like, no, every day I'm setting my goals. What am I doing today? What are my big rocks? What are my big wins for this week? What's my goal for this year? I think people that do that naturally, if you see them getting excited about that stuff, as geeky as it can be, keep your eye on them and pour yourself into them because what they're showing is they want to grow, they want to develop, they need that guidance. I was really rough, but by God's grace and, and Dave and several of our leaders around here, they were able to kind of knock off those rough edges. Over but I time. want you to share some of the guidance, whether it had been Jack or Bill or whoever. What was the guidance like? How did it help you in those early days when they saw this kid's got something special and you are raw, but they really did shape you? So Dave said, you know, this guy is hungry. I was pinging out the scale on hungry. I wasn't so strong on humble. And in my experience, what it looked like was them kind of kicking me in the teeth a little bit and going, dude, chill, tuck your shirt in, quit being a jerk in the meeting to that person. Who do you think you, I mean, it was just a lot of like after the meeting, Hey, you need to know you're awesome and you're going places but let's knock this chip off your shoulder. And so Dave, Bill, several people, um, I mean, I just always remember those moments, very uncomfortable conversations. And for my personality style, I'm very high D. You probably would not do well to talk to a high S the way these guys talk to me. They need to be led and developed a little bit differently. But for me, I didn't need a lot of encouragement. I needed a lot of humbling and bringing me kind of down to earth and and helping me understand, hey, this thing's going to take time and you've got some natural talent, but that doesn't give you a pass on treating those people like crap. Dave, you teach in, in the money side of things so beautifully about the rope and, and what you and Sharon did with your three kids and allowing them rope, but there's great leadership stuff there as well. What would you say to the leaders in this room and those watching on Facebook, if you identify somebody who's stuck their head up and you think they've got what it takes, how do you begin to move them along and give them a little bit of rope so we can see, all right, how are they going to handle this? What do they need to work on? Well, I probably started delegating as much out of frustration as anything just because I couldn't get to it. 
it wasn't going to get done, so you might as well try it, you know. And um, so, so it was kind of that. It really wasn't like a professional, well-thought-out leadership strategy. But later on, as we started working on it more and more, as we evolved in an, as an organization and as leaders, we started realizing that you can delegate to someone to the extent you trust their competence and their integrity. And usually integrity takes a little time. Just spend time with people. You learn to trust the, the intent of their heart, that they mean well, that they intend to do something. And then their competence is, can they play? Can they put the ball in the hoop? Can they drive the lane? Can they get the thing done? And the only way you do that is just put them out there on the floor and go shoot, you know, shoot. You can't do it for them. Coach, coach does all the shooting, you know, the team doesn't win. Shoot, you got to shoot the ball. And, oh, you missed. Oh, darn. Well, shoot again. Let's adjust that, adjust that, and change that. And you go into that meeting, you go into that sales presentation, you go into that negotiation with a vendor, you go into whatever. You just put them in there, put them in the fire, and, and just watch them. And then, you know, after the meeting, course correct and go, you know, when you said that, did you notice that all the body language in the whole room shifted? That was pretty dadgum stupid. So maybe you shouldn't use that phrase in that situation like that. That was, you just turned the whole room on its ear. The room tilted. I didn't see that. I know you didn't see it, but I saw it and everybody else saw it. And so you're going to have to think about your mouth in that situation. And that's kind of how we talk around here. I mean, we just say it. This is what happened. You screwed that up, you know, and People tell me that too, by the way, so it's okay. But, um, you know, we course correct, and you got to put them in the fire and, and let them feel it. And you can talk to a kid about how to drive a car all you want, but you got to put them behind the wheel eventually and, and grit your teeth and hold your breath and, you know, stomp the floor over there where there should be a break and all that, right? But, you, you know, you got to let them drive sometime. And you got to park in a lot of the church or whatever it is, you got to put them behind the wheel. About six or seven years ago, I was still in a sales seat. And I would go out to the Total Money Makeover live events that Dave would do. He'd teach for five hours on a Saturday. And at the end of the night, I had about 10 minutes to pitch entree leadership, answer questions, collect checks, and book it out of there. Because Dave would let me fly home on the jet if I was out there within 10 minutes. So you talk about pressure, like <laughs> I'm selling, trying to collect money, and trying to like balance hurrying up and maybe losing sales so I could get home that night to see my family. Otherwise, I had to catch a flight commercially out the next day. And I was always kind of doing that dance and I would take a little longer and Dave would kind of go, well, you're a little late, but how'd you do? And so if I did really well, he'd go, okay, I guess it was worth another five minutes. And uh, this was our little running joke. Well, one night I handed the cards, the sales cards to this girl on our team. And I said, hey, these are the sales from tonight. I need you to get these into the system and get these back under lock and key, make sure that these don't get lost. These are live checks. I mean, these are checks. And it was probably $3,000 per at the time. And I don't know, there's maybe 20 or 30 in there. So tens of thousands of dollars of orders that I'm running off the stage, handing these to her and just trusting like it's, it's all going to be fine. And I get back Monday morning and I go talk to the girl and I go, hey, the cards, where's it? How, how what was the total? And is everybody taken care of? And she said, oh, I, uh, I gave them to somebody. I said, you gave them to somebody? She said, yeah, the event. They were packing up the truck, and you know, someone said if I put them in a bin, that, that bin would get on the truck, and it, it, it would get back to Nashville, and so they're, I don't, they're probably in the truck. And I'm going, y- you what? Where's the truck? <laughs> and so the truck's at the loading dock. This is a Monday, and I spend seven hours climbing around in the stupid truck looking for these orders, just sweating it, going, I... I don't know where they are. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's pallets and crates and AV equipment. I'm climbing all the way back. Just, I mean, there's, it's like literally a needle in a haystack. And the whole time I was in that truck, I thought, this is what he was talking about. My granddad always said, no one's going to care as much as you do. This is it. No one, no one's ever going to care as much as I do. And I believed that for four or five years. And fast forward, someone came along that really challenged that belief for me. And that person was Sarah. And everyone on our team cares. And they care about the excellence in the event. They care about the the product. But I'm talking about when you find someone who their life purpose so resonates with your life purpose, their values, their their passion, their I'm not going to be denied index, that's very rare. And when you find that person, I would just say, 
you pour your entire self into them. Dave has done that. He's found probably, I would say, 10 or 15 people like that along the way that he has just gone all in on those relationships. And that's not to discount the other people on the team that aren't there. But it's to say, when, when you can find someone who, go, who you go, I, I think they care as much. They may care more than I do. This is amazing. And they love it and they're wired for it. And so Sarah's one of those people, I got two or three people like that on our team where I'm just going, they, they get it. They want it. They, they, they make me run fast because sometimes I'm trying to keep up with them. That's when you know you got a good thing. I never heard that story. Did you find those orders? <laughs> I found the freaking orders. That was... That was the worst day and best day of my life. It was, it was worst day until I found them, and then it was like Christmas. Oh, there we go. We got a question. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Well, to follow up, what happened to the young lady who left him in the truck? She's not, she's not here anymore. Okay. And, and we have also changed our standards to be PCI compliant, and don't worry, your, your money is safe and sound. We don't do things like that. This is, this is a while back. Okay, thank you so much. So... I think my question is mainly about your senior leadership or your operating board. I know y'all doing a lot of amazing things, and I'm just wondering how you kind of continue to grow them. Okay, that, that's a great question. All of them uh, run, uh, you know, ha- have 100-person-plus teams, um, and they're all running multi-million dollar organizations within this organization. So they're uh, highly accomplished people, all of them. We spend a lot of time together intentionally on social things. We'll take all of our spouses and do a board retreat and uh, someplace really, really nice and uh, just play half the time together, just do fun stuff together. Because when the spouses all trust each other and we all trust each other because we've played together and eat together and had experiences together, then we can trust each other when we uh, because truthfully, when we get in that room, it's um, brutal. <laughs> uh, the way we train up is we just hold each other accountable on everything. And it's, you know, you're in the room pre-Super Bowl. You're getting ready to go out and play the Super Bowl. And, and this is the group of people that are going to do it. And these are the players that are starting. And so there's no, we do leadership assessments once a year. And we spend three days unpacking those and telling each other what we're doing well and what I want you to work on for the next year. And we go all the way around the room 14 times, and it's brutal. And uh, so we're just highly accountable, but from a very healthy, trusting place. We spend a lot of time building the trust in each other so that we can just, that way when you're brutalized, it's not toxic. Uh, because it's just truth-telling at a really high level. And it doesn't take us long to get there. I mean, like 13 seconds in there. I mean, it doesn't, nobody's playing nice and then zinger. It's just zinger. You know, it's just like, that was a dumb idea. You know, what were you thinking? And it's like, this guy on your team is completely failing and you don't see it. You're going to have to bust up into that space there. This team over here is the island of misfit toys. You're going to have to go in there and break this thing up, man. You got a mess on your hands. We just, I mean, we're just, all up in it. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but it's just they really are the operating board. And when we have a problem or we have a new thing, two or three of them will jump on it because they're very much owners. And so when we reorg an area or we got a place, a thing that's dysfunctional or broken, two or three of them will jump in. So Because they're all paid off the bottom line like they were partners is how their pay is. And so you know if one of the divisions is losing, it brings everybody down. And so everybody going over and looking, what are you doing over there? <laughs> you know, it's like, and uh, they care. They care for a lot of different reasons, but money's one of them. And so that has evolved over a decade. It didn't start there. And it's, and we've been very intentional and worked very hard at building deep, deep trust so that we can have this deep, healthy accountability. Hope you enjoyed the content from the Entree Master Series stage. I want to make sure that you know if this content piques some interest in you and you really need to go to the next level, boot camp style leadership training that absolutely works. Our next Entree Master Series is October 7 through 11. That's October 7 through 11, 2018. Now, this event sells out months in advance, so don't wait to reserve your spot. It's a very intimate an inspiring event. So text Master Series to 33444. 
Text Master Series, all one word there. Take the space out, Master Series. Text that to 33444. Well, I told you at the top of the program that we were going to introduce you to a guy who is really killing it. Business increased in revenue from $3 million to $7.5 million from 2015 to 2017. His name is Bill Black. And this guy came to an event a couple years ago and took some real practical teaching back to his business. And a lot of good things are happening. But I want you to hear what he did from him. Here's my conversation with Bill Black. Well, this is fun. Bill Black joins us here in studio. He is an Entree Master Series alumni. Uh, came uh, three years ago and then just finished this week for round number two. So first of all, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I love this, uh, that you came back. You said, I yeah. need some more. But what I'd love to know is, uh, what's a, a major initiative, change that, that, that you created in your business after coming to Entree Master Series three years ago. You went back and you started to implement something. Love to know what you took away and then how did it implement? Okay. Wow. That's, you know, you spend a week there drinking out of the fire hose oh, yeah. and you're asking me for what was the sip that, that was the, the key. And I think it's, it's not going to sound real sexy or cool or anything, Ken, but it was just the basics, you know, blocking and tackling, you know, knowing your why. We went back, we established our core values and our mission statement. And then we just got down to the basics of doing the right things the right way. Um, and like I said, it just, it wasn't anything. There's no magic potion or secret pill. It's, it's getting in there and just doing the basic stuff every day. Well, what's interesting about that statement is you weren't doing those things. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but you came in here and you heard several things. So beyond the values and vision casting, what are a few other things that you would consider blocking and tackling that you really took on and you shored up? And now you've seen the results of those. I think one of the key things were clear expectations like uh, KPIs. Uh, key performance indicators. Key performance indicators. We got a hardworking team, a good team, and they're all working hard, yeah. but you know, when you put in front of them, well, these are the things that tell you if you're winning every day. And it's like, oh, okay. Mm. You know, it was, it was like a aha moment. And um, it just really made a big difference in the performance of everybody. Yeah. Did you find that keeping score pushed out people that you, you were kind of okay with them leaving? Yeah, that, you know, and that's something as you, as you grow, you, you, you have to raise a level of accountability. Um, you have to keep score a little bit tighter and when that happens, you know, we talked about it this week is sometimes the seed outgrows the person. It's unfortunate. That's probably the hardest thing because sure. you become emotionally attached. You pour into these people and then it's just not a good fit anymore. Um, but yeah, that's, it has pushed some, some mm. folks, you know, out of bounds and, you know, they're doing well now. Yeah. You know, I keep, you know, they're all still friends. That's awesome. Yeah. That speaks to how you handled it. That's really cool. Love to know uh, when you be you begun the conversation with uh, the leaders in your company or maybe just the entire group uh, about values and kind of mm -hmm. identifying those for the company. What was the reaction like? You know, it's interesting. That was an interesting process we went through because I went through the process myself. I knew what I felt like my core values were. And then I did a survey. I sent a survey to everybody from our technicians to our office people. If we had core values, what do you think they would be? And everybody has core values, whether they're on the wall or they're not. You're, 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 you have core values. And it was really encouraging that the core values that I had, they all came back. You know, we Integrity, teamwork, communication, you know, all the things that – in my heart, were important to me as core values. They came back into you know through the um, through the surveys we did. Mm, wow! And then when you selected those values and and you kind of said, okay, this is what we're going with. I'm just curious how you kind of made those public and how you presented them to the entire company. Well, the way it worked out is it was right towards the third quarter of the year, and we do a huge a Christmas party every year. So the Christmas party, families are there. You know, people, uh, we had a, that year, we had 100% participation, you know, so that's everybody awesome. came and we've got three locations. So that's sometimes that was, we had one guy drive almost three and a half hours. Wow. So, you know, we had everybody there. And then I went through the core values, the mission statement and talked about them a little bit and just gave them, we handed them out, you know, with the Christmas bonus. So everybody got a copy of it to take home to their families and everything. So it was, it was really, you know, it was really empowering, you know, yeah. it was really powerful. Yeah. Well, I love that that's what you mentioned right out of the gate when I kind of said, what'd you take back? And, and I'm just curious now, yeah. uh, looking to this very moment in, in your company, 
what's been the the result of that process of values? How has it affected your culture currently? Well, it's really affected our hiring process. Mm. Uh, you know, we really now do a good job of scanning the culture fit, make sure that's that's on point, um, and also how we make decisions. You know, it kind of empowers our people. You know, is it the right thing to do? You know, one of them is we do the right thing, whether it costs us money or if it's it, it causes us to lose some profits. Um, we're going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. So you win a a branch manager or somebody calls me and says, hey, this is a situation we have. Here's what I think we should do. Um, and I was like, well, is it the right thing to do? He's like, it's the right thing to do. I said, well, then that's what we're going to do because that's one of our core values. That's awesome. Yeah. He is Bill Black. The company is National Fleet Management. Hey, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us after a long week. I know we've, again, just hammered you with a bunch of content, and uh, at least you knew what to expect this time, right? That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us, Bill. We appreciate you. Big thanks to Bill Black for sharing his story with us. Love the stories from real entree leaders who buy a ticket and they come and learn, but then they actually go back and do something. Really inspiring stuff. Hey, uh, the Entree Leadership Team has a great tool for you this episode. It's called the Decision-Making Checklist. Think about this. You're the leader. That means you're the decision maker. There are so many decisions that a leader has to make. And sometimes the very act of having to decide something that may normally be an easy decision can paralyze us. So how do we get out of the paralysis of analysis? The way we do it is using a great tool like we're about to give you. It's called the decision-making checklist. You can use this checklist to help you prioritize what, when, and how you communicate these decisions to your team. Here's how you get it. Text the word DECISION to 33444. That's DECISION. Text that word to 33444. All right, folks, Infusionsoft bringing you great stuff as always. But before I tell you about the latest resource, I want to give you a special preview into what next week is going to look like. Make sure that you are subscribed or else you're going to miss some surprises we have in store for you. We're going to temporarily switch up our format. And I told you surprises are coming. So as a precursor to next week, we thought that the 2018 Small Business Marketing Trends Report would be perfect to help you get focused on the next steps. In this report, you will be given top marketing trends for 2018, must-know social media insights for your strategy planning, how small businesses are planning to allocate digital marketing budgets, and more. To get it. Go to the link in this episode's show notes. It's episode 248. Well, fun episode. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did putting it together. Big thanks to the entire Ramsey Solutions teams for this amazing event week. On behalf of Will, the producer, and the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon. Very soon.